Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Mina Kim. Coming up on Forum, high heat days are more common now in California, intensifying wildfires like the Calder Fire bearing down on South Lake Tahoe. This hour, we get an update on today's critical firefighting efforts, and we'll look at how the state's hotter temperatures are affecting agriculture and construction workers and others who work outdoors. Advocates say it's time for heat standards to be updated. But a new investigation by KPCC, Columbia Journalism School, NPR, and the California Newsroom finds workplace regulators have struggled to enforce the state's existing standards. We learn more after this news. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Nearly four dozen California workers, many of them workers of color, have died in the last decade from heat stroke or other heat-related issues. And that's likely an undercount, according to my guest Jacob Margolis of KPCC and Brian Edwards of Columbia Journalism School, who also collaborated with NPR and the California Newsroom to investigate why heat-related deaths on the job keep happening in significant numbers here when such deaths are entirely preventable. Welcome to Forum, Brian Edwards. Thanks so much for having me. Glad to have you on. And also, Jacob Margolis, glad to have you on as well. Thanks so much for having me. Well, let me start with you, Jacob. As you noted in your investigation, California was actually a leader in trying to address heat deaths. And not that long ago. Uh, can you talk about how it became viewed as the, at the forefront of paying attention to heat-related issues on the job? Yeah, you know, back in 2005, there were a number of uh, worker-related or heat-related worker deaths, and then Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger um, issued basically an emergency order that said, "Hey, we need to we need to kind of get a handle on this and start to institute standards that protect workers in the workplace, um, especially in agriculture." Uh, and so. In 2008, you know, it had been around for a few years, but by 2008, a very famous uh, case with uh, Maria Jimenez, a 17-year-old pregnant farm worker who had just come up from Oaxaca, she passed away. Mm -hmm. And it really highlighted that even though we had these standards, which say uh, workers need to have shade, they need to have uh, water, and they need uh, to be offered uh, certain rest breaks as well, even though we had these standards, her death highlighted the fact that hey, a lot of uh, farms weren't implementing these standards the proper way. Um, and kind of since then, it has been 
a, I would say it's been quite up and down in terms of enforcement around these standards. And as you mentioned, uh, people are still getting sick and some are still dying in the state. Yes, I was struck that these uh, heat standards kick in around 80 degrees and they become more stringent at 95 degrees where there needs to be you know, breaks after every two hours of work in addition to the to the shade and the water. But Brian Edwards, since California came up with these, it's only gotten hotter. What did you learn about how California's average temperatures are changing? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. And so what we've seen, you know, with climate change is that temperatures have increased and in that, you know, especially days where uh, we're hitting triple digits, which tend to be the really dangerous days, those are those are happening more frequently. And what we heard from, we heard from workers, we heard from advocates is when we are getting kind of into these dangerously hot temperatures, when we're getting over 100 degrees, even into 110 degrees, the body just simply isn't equipped to work in those conditions. And, you know, that is part of the reason why we are seeing some of these cases pop up, whether they are illnesses or deaths is simply it's it's too hot outside sometimes to work. And what workers are bearing the brunt of this, Brian Edwards? Yeah, so what we've seen is that, you know, it it really is, you know, while there are many industries that it's that it's hitting, uh, including construction and, and some other areas, but where we saw it has truly been affected is agricultural workers. And there's a couple factors that have really made that apparent to us. And I think one of them is that in agriculture, there is a pretty unique pay system called piece rate pay, where people are paid for, you know, the amount of something that they harvest. And uh, advocates and workers have told us that that incentivizes people to not take breaks. And as you had mentioned, taking breaks and getting out of the sun are, are, are two key parts to, to making sure that, you know, people aren't affected by heat uh, illness and, and dying from heat. And I think the other unique thing to agriculture that we found is that simply these are undocumented workers a lot of the time. And when that is the case, they may be afraid to report heat issues to their superiors or to Cal OSHA, which really depends on workers reporting these issues at their workplace to, to, to learn about uh, things going wrong. And we also know that there's frequently a lack of access to health care among documented workers, undocumented workers as well. Jacob Margolis, does this mean that a lot of these deaths are happening in the Central Valley? Uh, you know, we've seen them all over the state, but they're definitely it, it, people are especially high risk, um, uh, you know, in these areas that do get quite hot, like the Central Valley, uh, Coachella Valley. I mean, there was a story this past summer of workers uh, picking grapes in 115 degrees. I mean, when temperatures are that high, uh, it's just it's 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 not really tenable. And Jacob, you've talked about how these deaths are preventable, but they continue to happen and are likely an underrepresentation of the debilitating health problems that are caused by heat. Why do you say that the numbers are likely an undercount in terms of deaths and, and how they're really not uh, taking uh, full scope of the toll? Well, so when something, when someone falls ill um, and ends up going to the hospital uh, for like on, on the job, uh, there are a number of things that can happen um, in terms of classifying like why someone got sick or why someone potentially passed away. If they have say an underlying condition like uh, heart disease or uh, kidney issues, oftentimes their injury or the death, it might be blamed on something like that, even though it's what heat, it is heat that got them 
there. On top of that, California doesn't track hospitalizations due to heat. So if people get sick, say, um, after they're off the job for the day, they uh, have some sort of incident um, upon going home. And as we know, uh, especially when it comes to farm workers, you know, a lot of the places that people go home to oftentimes uh, don't necessarily have air conditioning, don't necessarily, our hot nighttime temperatures are also getting a lot hotter. So it's harder for people to cool down. If they have an incident, uh, once they go home, uh, that's not necessarily tied to the workplace, even if it was working in that 110 degree heat all day that got them there. So there are likely, and as Brian mentioned earlier, um, you know, we're likely not seeing all of the incidents reported because people might be afraid to report the incident. So there are a number of things that contribute to that potential undercount, um, but the likelihood, it, it, it was pretty well recognized across the board that uh, experts that we spoke with that there is an undercount. I will say one more thing. There was a paper released by Jisung Park at UCLA, an economist who crunched uh, both temperature and um, worker com workers' comp data. And what he found was that uh, an additional 15 to 25,000 injuries every year in California can be attributed, can likely be attributed to heat. And I mean, th that that's a lot. Wow. That's a lot more than, say, the Cal OSHA investigations, uh, the number of investigations they've done, which is somewhere around 4,000 in like 2019 that can be attributed to heat, you know, workplace incidents. So. We're talking with Jacob Margolis, science reporter for KPCC and LAist. Also, Brian Edwards is with us, reporter and investigative fellow at Columbia University. We're talking about findings from their investigation into heat deaths among California workers. And I want to invite you, our listeners, to join the conversation. Have you or someone you know experienced heat illness while on the job? Share your story with us at 866-733-6786, 866-733-6786. You can also, of course, ask questions about the investigation or tell us your thoughts about what you are hearing from our guests. You can email us, forum at kqed.org, or get in touch on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum. So Brian Edwards, I understand now some public health experts, worker advocates, even some workplace inspectors are saying it's time to make California's heat standards stricter. Can you tell us what they're suggesting? Absolutely. Um, so kind of like I had touched on a little bit earlier when it comes to these these very hot temperatures, these triple digit temperatures getting into, you know, 110 degrees, what we were hearing from people is, you know, people can't work in these temperatures or they can and it's very dangerous and they're you know mentioning the possibility of essentially having something like a a cap on temperatures where workers are sent home if it reaches a certain a certain threshold another thing that we had seen especially in the Pacific Northwest during their recent heat wave was split work days which some farms you know certainly do have some aspect of where they start the work earlier but you know actually splitting the work day in half with a siesta kind of esque break in the middle to try to you know at least get workers out of the heat during the hottest part of the day and i think that's kind of the key is you know trying to find ways to you know mitigate or reduce the amount of time spent in these extreme temperatures but brian as jacob alluded to earlier it sounds like it's been hard for cal osha to even enforce the state's existing weaker standards can you talk about what their record's been on enforcement or how you would assess it yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think something that we found very striking is that, you know, as of our published date, there were 195 inspectors for California, and that's a state with 18 million workers. 
And so clearly just the scope of trying to, you know, get to workplaces, to investigate workplaces, it's very difficult with the resources that they have. And Kalosha is not, you know, just understaffed now. It has been understaffed for a very long time. And this is a continuing problem. And, and so what we saw and what we've heard from people is that, you know, those issues can then be compounded by things like farms, you know, moving their workplaces when inspectors come, language barriers, just a whole other host of things that essentially make it difficult for these inspectors who are, you know, working very hard and trying to get to all of these heat cases, but to be able to, to spend the time and investigate them. And, you know, we had former investigators and, and, and current people in Cal OSHA tell us that, that that can lead, you know, that workload crunch can lead to cases not being investigated fully, or like Jacob had mentioned, maybe they'll pin it to a pre-existing condition really, rather than really digging into maybe some heat issues that were apparent there. And it sounds like, Jacob, that the UFW has pushed for Cal OSHA to do a better job. They've actually sued them, is that right, for systemic failure to enforce the rules, mm -hmm. the heat standards? Yeah, back in 2015, that happened, and there was an there was an overhaul of uh, the standards to lower the threshold from like 85 to to 80 degrees. Um, they also set up a an anonymous complaint line uh, for workers so that they could just call in. Hopefully, you know, remove some of that fear of retribution that comes along with reporting your boss, especially if you're undocumented and you're afraid that your boss might you know, might report you to ICE, say. Um, so there were some things that were set up after that. But what we found is that in, you know, talking to experts still is retribution is still very much a concern for people. And um, even if, and to add on to some of what Brian said, what we found was that even if an inspector was able to go and, and do these, do some of this, uh, these deep investigations, um, there are other parts of Kalosha that are not uh, robust enough at this point to really carry those investigations necessarily across the finish line, in particular, their legal department, we heard. Um, and so uh, mm. every single company yeah, uh, challenges yeah. whatever Kalosha brings to it. So I was struck by that, that they were saying that their lawyers at Kalosha are, are outnumbered by company lawyers appealing citations. We'll be talking more about heat deaths in California and why it's so hard to enforce heat standards in this state. Stay with us. You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking about findings from an investigation into heat deaths among California workers with Jacob Margolis, science reporter for KPCC and LAist, Brian Edwards, reporter and investigative fellow for Columbia University. And you are welcome to join the conversation if you have an experience with heat-related illness or know someone who has or just have questions or reactions to their investigation, 866-733-6786 is the number. Our email address, forum at kqed.org. You can post comments on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum. Brian Edwards, have you heard employer complaints about the inspection process, the Cal OSHA inspection process as well? We did. Um, we actually talked to one farm labor contractor who, you know, sets up workers to work on different farms. And we had originally reached out to him because we found that um, they had had several uh, repeat offenses related to heat issues with training and things like that. And mm -hmm. so we wanted to, you know, we were planning to feature them in the story and, you know, reached out to to talk to him about that. And, and what he had told us in that instance was he kind of 
tried to turn it around on, on Cal OSHA in many ways and, and said that, you know, when inspectors are coming out, some of them are, you know, kind of just broadly looking at things and not necessarily, you know, pinning a citation on them. And in other cases, you know, somebody might come in and give them several citations for something that the past inspector saw. And so um, we've heard, certainly have heard complaints from, from the people who are trying to organize these workplaces about, you know, these, these same issues that we heard at Cal OSHA, uh, but from their side of the aisle. But uh, Jacob Margolis, you did find an employer who has addressed this effectively that you wanted to feature. Can you tell us about Muranaka Farm in Moore Park and about Sonia Bonse? Yeah, so Muranaka Farms is uh, just outside of Los Angeles. And when we went and visited in June, um, it was quite hot in the 90s. And we met up with uh, quite a few farm workers out there along with uh, UFW. It is a UFW shop. And, wow. you know, they were providing, um, as far as we could tell, they were providing everything that's required under the, under the heat laws, uh, heat standards. But when we got to speaking with Sonia, who at the time was picking and cleaning leaks in the field, uh, she told us that, oh, well, she actually had fallen ill just the year before, actually collapsing in the heat, um, hitting her head and needing to be taken to the hospital. Um, you know, it, it kind of what it what it showed us was that even on a farm where these workers, um, I would say the, the feeling we got was they, they do feel somewhat empowered, even on a farm like that, uh, accidents can happen, uh, heat issues can happen. And, you know, Sonia took two days off after collapsing and then went right back to work in part because she didn't get paid for her time off. And that's one of the really, really big things that needs to be addressed in the state of California too, is that if someone needs to take time off because they experienced heat illness and have extremely detrimental effects to people's health, um, you know, I, I think it's possible and advocates would argue that they that people need to be paid for that. Is that one of the standards that are being pushed to try to make sure that people are paid on the days that they need to recuperate? I mean, it absolutely. I think advocates are would absolutely like something like that. I mean, the biggest thing going back to the 115 degrees in Coachella Valley, another huge thing is that above 95 degrees, all these workers get besides, you know, the heat, the the breaks and people watching for them to uh, excuse me, besides the shade and the breaks and people watching if they do experience any sort of heat illness is they get 10 minute breaks every two hours and anything over 95 degrees that's that's not very much um you know and we looked at the NIOSH standards which is uh National Institute of uh Safety and Health um and they had recommendations that possibly work should be stopped between 106 and 111 degrees like somewhere around there and uh I would say advocates advocates also say that that is probably the path that we should be headed down well, this listener writes, is there anything that can be done legislatively to protect workers if the legal protections we currently have aren't being enforced? Brian Edwards? Yeah, uh, so I mean, so there certainly is, um, you know, this has gotten attention from different legislators and and we talked to some of them and they certainly could try to, you know, force the hand of uh, Cal OSHA to strengthen these standards or try to, you know, add some, add some improvements to it. Ultimately, you know, a lot of this standard setting process does come back to um, Cal OSHA and the state government and kind of some of these administrative functions rather than uh, legislators, but they certainly could, you know, try to pass laws to, to put pressure on Cal OSHA 
to update these standards. And what we had heard is, you know, we talked to, to several people currently within the organization is that, you know, there isn't necessarily any movement right now to, to update them. So despite, you know, these calls, I think from, from experts and academics and advocates, uh, there isn't necessarily any movement to improve them at the moment. Another Cal OSHA related question, Jacob Margolis, the listener writes, does Cal OSHA regulate domestic work? I am thinking in particular of residential landscapers and gardeners who I see work in very hot weather. Yeah, it's a big problem for amongst landscapers as well. Um, landscapers, construction workers, anyone that works outside uh, and, and people that work inside, obviously, that's a whole separate issue. But uh, the answer is yes, it is a very big concern for them as well. Another listener writes, what are the signs of heat exhaustion and heat stroke? I don't know if your uh, investigation got into that or if you if you can share any of that, uh, Jacob or Brian. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I mean, Brian, people... go ahead. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no worries. Uh, yes, I mean, there, there are several signs, I think, that, um, that people should be watching out for. Um, you know, it's nausea dizziness, sweating and a lack of sweating, uh, you know, extreme thirst, uh, disorientation, confusion, um, really, it can sneak up quickly, but the signs will be very apparent, you know, once people are suffering from these issues, they are quite severe. And I think especially when we saw that people are, you know, starting to get sick or, or vomit or, you know, are close to passing out, that's when things are getting, getting very serious. Yeah, don't push yourself through symptoms especially out in heat is something that I will say we've definitely, and, and even if it's, even if it is as cool as 75 degrees out, 80 degrees out, depending on the type of labor that you're doing, um, you can end up in a very bad place very fast. And, uh, that needs to be, that needs to be considered, especially when we're talking about those top standards as well, top temperature standards. Jacob, what do you think are the prospects for addressing heat related issues effectively at the state level, at the employer level, even, I was struck by a, a UFW person that you quoted as saying something along the lines of valuing human life and a little less mm -hmm. production is heading in the, the right direction. And I wonder, after you've looked at all of this, understood that these deaths are so preventable, yet still happening, what you see as the prospects for successful... Gosh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's such a big, that's such a big question and definitely gets at my most pessimistic side when it comes to how we <laughs> value human life, uh, and, and worker lives and especially undocumented worker lives in the state. Um, I, I hope that we end up doing something more about this. And there were people within Kalosha, um, you know, not just advocates, but people we spoke with that, that also seem to, uh, feel the same way. And, um, you know, at the bottom line is people are still getting sick. They're still dying and the standards, uh, could, could likely be stronger. Well, Jacob Margolis, thanks so much for doing this investigation and talking with us today. Yeah. Thank you. And Brian Edwards, same to you really appreciate the work you've done on this. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having us. Brian Edwards is a reporter and investigative fellow for Columbia University. Jacob Margolis is a science reporter for KPCC and LAist, and they have been investigating heat deaths in California and the difficulty that the state has had in enforcing its heat standards as the state continues to experience hotter temperatures. You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. 
Set ten years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.